And so it's Palm Sunday. Like Jesus and his disciples, we've been traveling the long and dusty road, Easter, you could say. And at this point, we finally stop climbing, having reached the top of the Mount of Olives. And we can see the city of Jerusalem right before us. And just between us and the city is a shallow, well, it's deep, not that long, um, the Kidron Valley and our journey to east upon us. The story of um, Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, it's a, a royal occasion. It's not a random, and so it's carefully stayed to make exactly the right point about what's... So the animal that Jesus chose to ride, the donkey's colt, knew the words of Zechariah. It was written 500 earlier, Zechariah the prophet. This is what he wrote about God's Messiah would come riding on a young, young donkey. So from Zechariah 9, um, it should be up on the screen. It says, Rejoice, O people of Zion, shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He's riding and victorious. Yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. I will remove the battle chariots from Israel and the war horses. I will destroy all the weapons in battle, and your king will bring peace to the nation. His realm will stretch from sea to sea and from the Euphrates River, the ends of the what, a, what an amazing um, prophecy that is. And, and you can see that Jesus is clearly wanting to put himself beside that. He's wanting to say that he is God's king who comes in the name of peace to reconcile all things. Paul, the apostle, when he writes his letter to the Colossians, um, I reckon he gets the full splendor of, of who Jesus is and of what, what Jesus is trying to say when he, he writes this. He says, For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. So when Jesus is coming in on the donkey, he's saying, I am God's chosen who's bringing healing to the entire cosmos. If you change your ways and believe in me, you will come to enjoy all the many benefits. It's no small claim, is it? It's a, it's a big claim. And the message of who Jesus is, is, is revealed right there in plain sight of everybody, right? There's, there's no, nothing written about it. There it is. And yet, in many ways, it kind of does seem veiled. It, it's, there's something still hidden from... Um, we see that at first, disciples, they pick up on the theme. Um, and in a kind of instant royal celebration, they spread their cloaks all, uh, along the road for him. And um, as they go down into the valley, the crowd starts to sing praises. King Jesus, the one who's going to fulfill our hopes and dreams, they say. But do they really get it, you wonder? Because as the week progresses, um, things move unexpectedly to the devastation of the cross. And not one disciple remains by his side. So you've got all these guys celebrating. A week later, where are they? Are they standing by Jesus' side? No, they're not. And then there's the Pharisees who managed even worse. Um, although they were considered the most wise and the most godly of people, they seem to miss the whole point. Um, and so this event happens in the open, as plain as day, right in front of them, and yet they're completely blind to it. Tragically, they miss God's coming to them. Imagine that, spending your whole life learning about God, trying to be godly, and then God walks past and you're just telling him to be quiet. Pretty sad. Immediately after this, Jesus actually weeps the blindness and rejection. He says this, it says, um, As he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you of all people understand the way. To it. Now it's too late from your... But you know, the wonder of Easter is that even when we are stuck 
in blindness and frailty and hostility. Jesus goes on with God's plan regardless of whether the crowds are still with him. Can you imagine that burden that he would have carried through that week knowing everyone's going to leave and I'm carrying out plan regardless? What a, what a wonderful thing to be grateful for today. This is exactly why this Palm Sunday celebration is so exciting and joyous. Jesus is coming, not in sadness, but with confidence to bring God's salvation through his death on the cross. We didn't get it, but that didn't matter. God just wanted to. Um, we've been reflecting through our series on what it means to be the church. And so we've, we've called our series Northern in the Mirror. And during Lent, reflecting, yeah, what is it to be a church? How can we be a church that's in our neighbourhood? And how, how can we have a faith? And uh, we've been looking, um, Steve, I think there's the image there. Been looking at, at, this, at this little um, diagram and remembering our three core values, which um, are deepening spirituality, demonstrating compassion, and developing community. And over the last three weeks, we've been looking at those little bits in the middle where they connect, because we've realised that you can't just focus on one and not the other two. And um, today what we're doing is we're investigating where deepening spirituality meets demonstrating, okay? And I believe that God has a vital challenge for us this morning. Um, if we don't allow God to deepen us spiritually and to lead us by his spirit to open our eyes um, as, as we, we wish the disciples and the Pharisees had their eyes opened during um, Palm Sunday, the first event, um, we will miss so much if we don't let deepen us spiritually, um, just like the Pharisees and the, the full sig of what God was. So how are we going? Are we recognizing what God is doing in our midst? Have you um, let God opportunities pass you by because you're just not to what God's doing? This church, um, some of you will, will know um, a lot about the history and in fact have been here for a lot longer than me. Um, but others of you are new to this church. Um, approximately 15 years ago, um, this basically four churches from the neighbourhood came together and decided we're going to join together to be one church. And they bought this building. And one of the reasons to buy um, something that looked a little bit more like a factory than a church was because of how big it was and because of their vision, the, very much a God-given vision, to be a presence in the community, not to just be a little church that meets on a Sunday and and if they disappeared, nobody would notice, but a place that really makes it in um, the, the neighbourhood around. And um, we still today kind of, like I guess, marvel at what God's done in bringing us, bringing four, four different together and um, in, in the provision of this church and in all the things that we do. And so there really is a sense of God's been guiding us and leading us. But my, I guess my challenge to us today is that we can't presume to just go with that forever, you know, to just... Um, go with that vision and presume that we know now where God is leading us and that we don't really need to, to focus too much on, on listening to God. I believe that unless we grow in intimacy with God, unless we spend time with him, unless we pray together, then, then we won't know where God's, where God's guiding us. God did a great thing 15 years ago in bringing us together. What's he doing now? Are we still listening to Jesus? Are we seeking what God has for us? Deepening spirituality, it's all about opening our eyes to what God is doing. Um, and it's about finding intimacy with God. Sometimes when we hear those words, when we hear that, um, we think, oh, that's, that sounds like stuff for the super saints, for the mystics, for the people who have lots of time to find God. But I want to tell you that intimacy with God, is this is a normal part of Christian. Jesus says in John's Gospel, 
my father and I will come to you and we will make our home with you. That's the very reason why Jesus came. The idea there is that we, we will share life together as sons and daughters and find a glorious new place of belonging to him. This is, this is the home that God wants to bring us into, where you spend time with God, where you allow God's spirit to minister, to revive you and to reorient you towards God's heart of love. God actually longs to spend time with you. Did you know that? God longs to spend time. Um, he loves it when we pursue. Sometimes we feel like um, God is hard to... Um, he, maybe he's made things too mysterious too difficult for us. Have you ever thought, anyone? Anyone willing to admit it? Yeah. Um, But I want to tell you that God doesn't hide himself. I I would say hides himself for us, okay? Let me just explain that. He hides himself just enough for us to seek him. He wants wants that if we seek him, we will find But we have to... So an example is Jesus in Matthew 13 telling little parables. And he says, the kingdom of God is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in his excitement, he hid it again, sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy it. So what Jesus is speaking about there in that parable is what I'm talking about today. About He's saying, you, you need to pursue God. You need to actually want to find God. If you do that, you'll realize the great treasure and you'll pursue it. You will find him. So seeking God's heart, it's not an optional extra in, in Christian life. Um, it's not a personal indulgence. Sometimes people say, yeah, I go to church. Yeah, I'm, um, you know, I, I really love what the church does. Um, you know, really it's all about that practical help, that support of other people. And, and yeah, you know, the spiritual side of things, I'm just going to leave that because I'm more interested in the practical. We just can't do that um, because to me, because seeking God's heart, is that's where we are filled. It's where we are given strength so that we can of compassion. So seeking God's heart is, is an urgentness. Um, and we need to get a sense of that. It's a place that we need to protect, to guard, um, and, and guard it from encroaching busyness. The closer you are to the heart of God, the more God will show you for people. I'll say that again. The closer you are to the heart of God, the more God will show you his heart for people. So if we're deepening spirituality, then God will give us the ability to have compassion for others. This is where deepening our spirituality is essential if we're to grow in compassion, in the compassion I mean, how can we think that we can truly embody Christ's compassion if we're not close to him? Remember um, a couple of weeks ago, probably a month ago, mentioned we, we spent a bit of time looking at John 15, which was where Jesus says, I am the true grapevine. And we had um, one of our symbols was, um, was a vine on the dresser. Jesus says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This again speaks of our need for, for that relationship with God. If you're not listening, then you're not being led by the Spirit and you miss so much. You may think um, that we're, we're seeking people's needs around us, but if we're only relying on our own abilities, our own perceptions, and under, um, we'll just miss so much um, of what we would otherwise be capable of when God shows. So the work of demonstrating compassion is always a twofold process. Um, our, our symbol for today... I'll just lift it up, is uh, a jug full of water, okay? That's our, our symbol for today's message. And um, it speaks of demonstrating compassion being a twofold process. We're always being filled. That's the life of it, okay? We're being filled 
in our time with God, spending our lives poured out. If we think, I'll just focus on getting my own spiritual tank filled, maybe when I've become a mature person, then I'll do some stuff. We just end up blocked. We can't dam up God's love. You can't keep it to yourself. Um, By its very nature, it must flow out to other people. Nor can we do a lot of empty in our own strength. So if you kind of overestimate your capacity and you think, I think it won't be. And so we have to fill up from the source, invest time there, let the truth develop a hunger. And, and then we, our giving needs to be birthed, otherwise we'll miss. So we give until it's not just something to do. How can we give? Well, I'm not only talking, I mean, that's part of it, but I'm talking about there's so many opportunities we can give encouragement to others, to each other, just even treating them in a way. Um, giving to them the smallest ways. Um, also, um, giving trust. So being willing to, how easy it's just to have friends. We don't ever, this goes on. So give, give trust, be vulnerable, give financially, give from the gift spirit placing. This is a lifestyle as forms us profoundly. As If you want to see your spiritual life, then learn to give and we become compassionate. I'm just going to conclude with a, a brief example. This week, I was um, watching a documentary, and the documentary was about a couple called Heidi and Roland Baker. You may, you may have heard of them, um, or maybe not, but they are missionaries in Mozambique. And they actually went over to Mozambique in the 80s when it, was, it had just been through like major civil war. It was really a war-ravaged, difficult country to be in. And uh, this couple have had a massive impact not only in the country of Mozambique, but also across Africa and even around the world as they, they go and speak various comments. And I was really struck by a comment that Heidi Baker, when she said, I need four hours alone with God every day. If I'm not full of joy and love, then I have nothing to offer. There's no fruit. Her husband, Roland, he said a similar thing when he was interviewed. He said, even though he's seen wonderful things happen and so many lives change. So he, he's, he's just had this incredible experience of, of life and fruitful. But this is what he says. He goes, it's not about saving money. It's just always been about getting. I think that's a big testament. And perhaps, well, I'd say that is why they're successful in ministry. And Heidi, um, another thing just to close with is Heidi Baker described her ministry by sharing a picture, um, which is kind of a bit of a childish picture of, you know, um, you know when a child just say like they're to say we're, we're at a dance and a child will like dancing with with an adult but they stand on your, your feet so whatever whatever the adult does the child's supposed to do and she gives that picture she says each i'm holding g and i'm stepping on it and she describes her work as just willingly going to me that's that's that life so may your heart to god's pursuit your pursuit of god god's pursuit of you and may it um tessa's going to come uh, we've got a little, little palm sign to give everyone hopefully there's enough for us all but Roz has become a master maker of these and um and so she can make any make one for one who's who might miss out as tessa's handing them around um, i'm just going to explain what they are so these are palm crosses a cross made out of palm leaf and um, it, what it is is it's a reminder of god's love poured out to us filling us so that we can pour it out to others. Uh, I think it's it's um, a beautiful picture, not only being showing us, reminding us of, of God's love poured out on the cross, but also being made in a palm in a palm tree from a palm tree. Um, it actually, I guess it it bookmarks today's Palm Sunday event and then the celebration next Sunday of Jesus' resurrection. So please take one of these as a reminder of our service today.
And while that's being while that's happening, we're just going to move into our time of response. So I, I encourage you to grab that card and the pencil that you've took earlier today. And this is a really a time for you to write whatever has has been on your mind, whatever you feel God has spoken to you today. Maybe it's through the message, could even just be through a song that we sang um, or or any other parts of the service. And I've got a couple of uh, questions up here that might just prompt you if you're if you're stuck. Um, and so those questions are: What things might be keeping you from intimacy with God? Do you feel that uh, your spiritual tank is a bit empty? Why might that be? What might be keeping you from intimacy with God? And the second question is: What can you do to maintain an openness to receiving all God wants to pour in? Right, so I'm going to just uh, give you a bit of time, and there'll be some music playing. So um, just a reminder too that. With your cards, please put it into uh, the bowl for the offering and I'll collect it.